Welcome to Faithful Echoes, the sermon podcast from St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Cleveland, Tennessee. New episodes are available every Monday featuring the Collect of the Day, Scripture readings, and Father Joel Huffstetler's insightful sermon from the previous Sunday. Perfect for catching up on missed sermons or revisiting favorites, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and our website at www.stlukescleveland.org backslash podcast. Subscribe now for spiritual reflections that fit seamlessly into your week. A reading from the book of Amos. Alas, for who you desire the day of the Lord? Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone has fled from a lion and was met by a bear, or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness, not light, and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of your well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to, to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The word of the Lord. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 70, found on page 682 of the Book of Common Prayer. We will read responsively by half verse. Be pleased, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those who seek my life be ashamed and altogether dismayed. Let those who take pleasure in my misfortune draw back and be disgraced. Let those who say to me, Aha! and gloat over me, turn back. Because they are ashamed. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say forever, Great is the Lord. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come to me speedily, O God. You are my helper and my deliverer. O Lord, do not tarry. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call and with the sound of God's trumpet, will dissound from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. 
Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Feel free to finish this statement with me if you wish. When it comes to real estate, the three most important things are location, location, location. Right. It's really true when you think about it. So much has to do with location. I suggest that when it comes to the interpretation of Scripture, the three most important things are context, context, context. Whenever we study a passage of Scripture or a book of Scripture, it's important to locate that book or that passage in its historical context. Take the prophet Amos, for example. The book of Amos is the earliest prophecy recorded in the Old Testament. There are references in the Old Testament to prophecy that came before Amos. But as far as recorded prophecy, Amos is the oldest recorded prophecy that we have in the, New Te in the Old Testament. We can date Amos to sometime between 786 and 746 B.C. That's when Jeroboam II was king of the northern kingdom, Israel. And Uzziah, one of my favorite names in the Bible, Uzziah, was king of the southern kingdom of Judah. So 786 to 746 B.C., somewhere in there, was the prophet Amos. I just want us to think for a moment. That's 850 years before the time of Jesus. Just let that wash over you for a moment. 850 years before the time of Jesus. The prophecy of Amos that we heard read very well a few moments earlier today. 
The context of Amos is crucial to its interpretation. The context is this. Amos lived in a time when his country was enjoying unchallenged peace and prosperity. Amos lived in one of those golden eras when the economy was humming. Jobs were plentiful for most. Most of all, the country was secure. The Assyrian Empire had not yet reached its power. It would reach that power in just a few decades, but not yet. And to the south of Israel, Egypt was a culture in decline, and not nearly the threat that it would have been in earlier times. And so from the book of Amos itself, we can locate some of the geopolitical realities with which Amos lived 2,800 years ago. And in general, the geopolitical reality was this. Times were good for most. Yes, it was a golden era for most people. But Amos took on the prophetic mantle because he saw a growing gap in his culture between the rich and the poor. It's important for us to note historically that Amos was not a full-time prophet. He was not a priest. From what we can gather, Amos was a farmer and a herdsman. But Amos took on the prophetic mantle because he had an abiding concern for the plight of the poor in his country. Amos saw that in a time of prosperity, there were yet people who were left out of that plenty. Amos was concerned theologically, spiritually, about the growing gap in his time between the haves and the have-nots. In our language in the 21st century, in terms of geopolitics, we would say that Amos wrote to address structural and systemic injustice, which is another way of saying, in Amos's time, the rich were getting richer, while the poor were getting poorer. And so Amos addresses this issue from the point of view of what we would call liturgy. Amos addresses the gathering of what we would call a congregation. And Amos makes the point that we cannot allow the worship life of our culture to be disconnected from the practical realities of the culture. In other words, Amos would say, be careful about your liturgy, your worship, if that liturgy or worship is disconnected from the lives of the poor. So Amos, a farmer and a herdsman, took on the prophetic mantle. And in the name of God, Amos prophesied, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. 
Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? It certainly gets a thoughtful hearer's attention. But then in context, Amos goes on to say, in behalf of God, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. One of the great lines in all of the Bible. I suggest to you that this morning we are standing on holy ground in hearing as part of our liturgy today the oldest recorded prophecy in the Bible from the book of Amos. The earliest prophecy that we have a record of. And in the end, Amos's point is clear. Right thinking has to be connected with right action. Amos saw a widening gap between the process of liturgy and the reality of the lives of the poor. And Amos took on the prophetic mantle to remind the people of the northern kingdom of Israel, remember to be compassionate and responsive to those who are less fortunate. So Amos is the oldest recorded prophecy in the Old Testament. Very close to that is the book of Micah. Micah we can date to just a generation after Amos. So both Micah and Amos are very ancient prophecies. In the book of Micah, we find one of the great verses in all of the Bible, Micah 6, 8, where Micah prophesies, He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? There's that word again. To do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So Amos, in the middle part of the 8th century B.C., and then Micah in the latter part of the 8th century B.C., both agree that the most eloquently composed and most beautifully offered liturgy is never a substitute for right action. Both agree that at all times and in all places are words of faith, must be matched by our deeds of justice, kindness, and compassion. But today we have heard one of the great verses in all of Scripture. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Easily some of the most memorable and some of the most moving words in all of the Bible. And if we will hear them, they are as fresh, as challenging, and as filled with hope today as they were when first uttered 2,800 years ago. One of the most important dates in the history of this country is August 28, 1963 the day of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, a massive, peaceful protest, a strong protest with lasting significance, but peaceful. 
And in his I Have a Dream speech given on that day, August 28, 1963, in the midst of the speech, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. proposed an imaginary question from an imagined critic. And the imagined rhetorical question from the imagined critic, Dr. King said, is this, when will you be satisfied? In other words, what is it that you want? It's a strong rhetorical question. And on that hot summer's day in 1963, Martin Luther King Jr., a prophet for his time and for all generations going forward, answered that rhetorical question. When will you be satisfied with this? We are not satisfied and will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. In the midst of a strong but peaceful protest, Dr. King drew on the words of Amos 2,800 years ago. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So I conclude with this. The Bible, in one sense, is a library of books. And those individual books were written over the span of hundreds of years, and they vary widely in many ways as far as content. But in a way, the Bible is, of course, one book with chapters of individual books. And that one book, the Bible, does have coherence. There is a discernible plot, and there is meaning in the totality. There's coherent meaning in the totality of the collection of books that we call the Bible. Going back to Amos, and then to Micah, and then ultimately to Jesus hundreds of years later. And then Jesus gives birth to the church, and the church then gives birth to the New Testament. For all the diversity within Scripture, there is a discernible, meaningful plot, and that is God's continuous outreach to humanity. More than one literary scholar has called the Bible God's love letter to the human race. From the time of Amos, Micah, forward to the time of Jesus, and into the New Testament. The call just comes to humanity over and over again. Draw near to the God of love to experience peace with God and with one another. The vision, the hope, remains because the invitation continues. Draw near. Be inspired to live lives characterized by justice and freedom and peace. Toward the back of the New Testament, there's a little book about the size of the book of Amos and about the size of the book of Micah. It's called the Epistle of James. Little tiny book, five chapters in the back of the New Testament. 
In the epistle of James, there is a verse that resonates very strongly with Amos and Micah. It certainly resonates with the teaching of Jesus. In chapter 122 of James, we read, But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Perfectly in line with Amos and Micah and Jesus. And as relevant this moment as it was when first written. People of God, be doers of the word and not merely hearers. Amen.